0: Well, here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the Spiritual Spiral. Welcome to the end of the world. queue up REMs. It's the end of the world as we know it. You know, I, I sort of uh, predicted or talked about how Instagram is the end of the world or social media is. And this was, you know, a year and a half ago when the podcast began. And... I think we're living it right now. I think we're living the beginning of the actual end of the world. It certainly feels like that. I I sent out a newsletter a few days ago, my first with this new platform, and just really I I speak to some friends of mine, and I think everybody's in a state of shock, and I know I am. And I was reading this story where if if Dr. Fauci – or some recognized physician said that the coronavirus um, does not inflict or can't survive three feet or lower from the ground. It wouldn't surprise this person if they saw people crawling around on their hands and knees to avoid the coronavirus. Seriously, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happened. Nothing surprises me. And I was speaking to another friend of mine who was saying, his name's David, and he was saying, you know, I didn't realize human beings were this stupid. Again, I don't want to be glass half empty here on my show, but I had very little faith in the intellect of human beings. And again, of course, there are sort of individual examples where good things happen and, Some new cancer medication is evolved or developed that gives me faith or hope or some new album by like Kendrick Lamar, the DNA record. I think he won the Nobel Peace Prize um, maybe a year ago. The first hip-hop artist, rapper to ever win the Nobel Peace Prize. So there are clearly great examples where art breaks through, scientific development comes through, but, but overall... And again, I point to Donald Trump. If if he can win the United States presidency, that proves that America is filled with incalculable levels of ignorance. And I'm I'm really excited to hear today. I've got a lot to talk about. Um, again, if you dig the show, you head over to iTunes, write a review, give it a five star. That stuff really helps, gets the show heard. Reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter, at Eddie Cohn, and say, uh, say hello. I'm going to talk a lot about different stuff today. I'm going to talk about Ryan Murphy. I'm going to talk about COVID-19 and how I'm really concerned about not really the impact of COVID-19, but about all the other stuff going on, like people that have cancer, heart disease, you know, this this world, it just feels like we, we live in a world of movements. You know, I'm even going to talk a little bit about the movement of COVID-19. I'm also really excited because I'm going to do something new today that I haven't done before. I'm, I just recorded a new song a couple of days ago. I've got about six or seven songs that are in development right now, some are like, DJ up tempo, some are rock, some are like piano things happening. So I'm going to, I just finished one today. I I spent five hours yesterday on it, finished it today. I'm going to play it at the end of the show. It's a really cool club. I want to get into sort of some up tempo DJ type song. So I'm going to play it at the end of the show. It was just this beautiful day of creativity that I had. And of course, today I sat down and tried to write another song, and it just was terrible. So I went back to yesterday's song and finished it. But I think that really shows the ebbs and flows of the creative process. And it's this intimate, unique, inexplicable inexplicable process that makes no sense. And I don't know if you connect to a higher spirit or to God. It's not about how you look. It's not about anything other than you tap into some unique spot in your brain or your soul that inspires you to just start creating. And it was just freaking awesome. So this sort of subtly ties into my first subject today about Ryan Murphy. He's the famous producer. He made uh, American Horror Story. O.J. Simpson, I think I think it was called something like, the, or The Trial of O.J. Simpson, The Trial of Johnny Versace. I'm saying three shows that I absolutely loved. So Ryan Murphy clearly has a lot of talent. But I talked about this a few weeks ago, where I was listening to a podcast where he was talking to Kara Swisher, where he's finding it interesting, people's atten- dwindling attention spans is interesting to him. And Quibi, this new five to ten minute media platform, is interesting to him. And his new show came out on Netflix called Hollywood, which to me was really garbage. And to me, here's a guy who is making millions and millions of dollars, signs a deal with Netflix, and it feels as though his quality is going further downwards. And it's, I believe, and I think it's a cultural belief here, where people are paying more attention to the look to the cliffhanger, the screen grab, the manipulative way or trick to get people to go on to the next episode as opposed to creating high-quality characters. That takes time. That takes work. And to me, Ryan Murphy isn't doing that anymore. And ironically, two weeks ago, or about a week ago an article came out in the LA magazine and I have to read a little bit to it. Uh, I I have to read a little bit of it to you I don't want to say I told you so here but I mean there's a clear dwindling of creative content happening and it is clearly directly correlated to what Netflix, Amazon Prime, Quibi, Hulu, this this streaming Platform the the digestion of of content through streaming is ruining quality, and it's funny. I one more correlation here. I loved, or I'll say, I loved the show Insecure with Issa Rae. It's on HBO, and the first season's fantastic, great writing, great story. But I think we're on the fourth season now, third season, and it's become abundantly clear to me. It almost feels like they're more concerned. With the look of the show and how sort of slick it is, it's amazing. They are all beautiful. They all wear incredible clothing. The cinematography of the show makes Los Angeles look stunning. The music on the show, whoever's the music supervisor for Insecure, is doing an incredible job. Great music. But the actual stories, it's not interesting anymore. And I think we live in this day and age now where producers, creators aren't thinking about quality or content. They're they're thinking, as long as I make this show look good or give it some cool music or make everybody look attractive, that's enough to keep people engaged. So the story in LA Magazine is called Netflix made a 300 million deal with Ryan Murphy, maybe it should ask for a refund. The widely panned recent Netflix series Hollywood says many things about the state of television these days. There is solid acting from veterans like Joe Mantello, Patty LuPone, Dylan McDermott, and Jim Jim Parsons, who steals scenes effortlessly as a ruthless agent wielding power when he's not dancing his way through each of his seven veils. Too bad the writing careens between the barely acceptable and the defiantly awful, startling given that the show's creator is Ryan Murphy, two years into a widely publicized $300 million deal with the streamer. Despite his big payday and half dozen Emmy Awards, Murphy has been overrated for decades. I mean, I don't want to go think, I don't know if he's been overrated for decades. I mean, the O.J. Simpson um, Versace shows just came out, and I, I thought they were pretty fantastic. But I will say, and this is what's interesting to me before I get back to the article I loved the first season of American Horror Story, which maybe came out eight, nine years ago. It was incredible but now there's no story or plots that are interesting the shows look great there's this underlying sexuality to every episode everybody looks really great the violence is portrayed in this beautiful way if violence could possibly be beautiful but the actual stories are terrible so back to the article watching earlier earlier successes like nip tuck and american horror story it was already evident that he can't write original stories or real characters, by which I mean the sort defined by the depths and contradictions that distinguish all of us from stereotypes. As a result, almost all the people in his shows tend to be jerks or fools or bullies who are engaged in shallow quests for fame or power or beauty." And then ironically, so many of Murphy's characters are narcissists that their creator doesn't seem to know the difference between self-obsession and all the other types. Murphy's writing has shown an inclination to not get better, but lazier. And Hollywood is a perfect example. A first draft mishmash where people in the 1940s say things like, I'm living the dream 60 years before people said that where handsome young men become rent boys to buy houses because apparently no G.I. Bill exists. But Murphy has has succeeded because he's a zeitgeist writer. Whether it's the lure of celebrity, politics, cosmetic perfection, or the ultimate kink, Murphy possesses a knack as keen as anyone's for reading the hive mind. And he's been canny enough to populate his concepts with first-rate performers who carry the writer's load for him. Twenty years ago, as movies began to fade into overblown comic book adaptations, we entered the golden age of TV based on the notion that TV had become a writer's medium in a way film hadn't been for years, when you think of The Wire, Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, Mad Men, and Atlanta. In this glossy mediocrity of shows is Westworld and Hollywood. All the money is for the eyes to see and occasionally the ears to hear and almost never the brain to think about. And again, that's really my point. I see it in Insecure. I see it in Hollywood. Granted, I only watched an episode or two. I see creators more concerned about making something look good than actually creating something that feels good and promotes deeper thinking, questioning. It's kind of sad that that's a rare find these days. You know, again, I think one of my bigger concerns is the fear that the coronavirus is spreading. And I'm going to be honest here. You want to know what I think? I think we've been duped. And I don't deny that the coronavirus exists. I was just listening to a gentleman on the Joe Rogan show. I think his name is Bill Epstein. I might play a clip if I can find it quickly. Where we're starting to think that this virus was either purposely or accidentally released from a Wuhan lab. And the reality is is that we may never know what happened, how it's transferred. Now apparently LA is a hot spot right now. I mean, I don't know what to fucking believe. I mean, every single year we have new viruses that come out. I do remember like when AIDS and HIV was a new story here in America in the early 90s, late 80s, people were freaked out. And it feels very similar to back then. I mean, granted, I was really young back then. But there's this strange anxiety in the air where people are talking about the coronavirus as if it's like HIV or AIDS or if it's it's like a death sentence like it's worse than cancer and it feels to me like politicians or the media saw an opportunity and consciously or subconsciously latched on to this story and refused to give up and they gave up for about a week The George Floyd story gave them the opportunity to let go of the coronavirus for about a week. Not to say that the protests weren't warranted, but I do think part of the reason why it escalated so much was because people had been homebound for three months. I mean, there's a certain level of depression and anxiety and just this energy bubbling up inside of you where you just need to release it. And... It was really the perfect storm, people being indoors all day, anxiety from the coronavirus. And then this tragic event happens in Minneapolis for the whole world to see. And it's just like, bam, fires are burning literally and figuratively. And now that's sort of passed a little bit. I mean, of course, Black Lives Matter is still a huge story. And it should be. But I guess my point is I can feel the coronavirus and COVID-19 sort of trickling back into people's periphery again. And here, you know, L.A.'s the hot spot. And there's, you know, apparently we had more cases diagnosed yesterday than than the whole world here in in the country. I guess America has the most new cases yesterday than ever. Or at least in California. Got to get all my facts straight. I've been reading so many different articles. I guess my point is, is that I don't know what to fucking believe. And I don't think the world is ever going to be what it was. I don't I don't know how it possibly can be. You know, I, I went to the drugstore the other day and, and people just look terrified. I'm outside on the sidewalk working out in front of my home and people are scared to walk next to me. Um, this friend of mine down the street, I haven't seen him in over a year. He owns a restaurant and he walks by me and he goes, Hey, can I shake your hand? I go, yeah, you can shake my hand. I don't, I don't care. Shake my hand. And you know, the restaurant food and beverage industry is just completely ruined. So he, he, he's just like, what the fuck did our government do? I can't explain it. I just, I can't explain it, but I do throughout this whole time. I have thought about people that have other health conditions besides COVID-19. And that's sort of what's frustrating about this movement of COVID-19. Everything else is brushed aside. And it's funny, I, I meant to make this point at the very beginning of the show, but I'll tie it back. You know, remember when Instagram was getting a lot of pullback or a lot of criticism because there was suicide and bullying going on at the beginning of the year. And so they said they were going to get rid of the likes. And there was this huge PR story where Instagram was experimenting with getting rid of the ability to see how many likes your post gets. And that that story sort of took the waves for a few weeks. They were experimenting in Australia and various countries around the world. And then they said they were going to experiment with with it in America. Well, guess what? They, They never did. That whole... That whole story of Instagram being sensitive towards kids' feelings and suicidal tendencies here in the country, it was all bullshit. And I guess that, to me, symbolizes this strange rolling narrative where something gets focused in our culture. I don't know if it's the media's doing or politicians doing. And maybe the only way that the coronavirus could get people's attention, because everybody's so fucking addicted to their phones, is to just throw it over people or knock people over the head with it for literally three months. That's the only way it's going to get people's attentions, uh, get people's attention. But through all of that, I I think to myself, what about cancer? What about diabetes? What about lupus and Crohn's disease? So sure enough. An article comes out today in the New York Times, what it's like to fight cancer during a pandemic. Actually, this one came out in Medium. Is it rude to talk about fight, and it's by um, Sky Hook. Is it rude to talk about fighting cancer in the middle of a pandemic that is killing people with a virus? This is the interesting dynamic taking place in these United States. And while the adverse situation is prevalent, It is not being openly discussed. This isn't because it's not urgent or crucial. I have, however, noticed upon speaking with others who are navigating the same illness waters as I am, that some people feel uncomfortable talking about their cancer simply because recounting any other health crisis feels somehow impolite given the terrible and immediate impacts of COVID-19. Really powerful. And that's sort of, I want to read more, but that's sort of one of my concerns with COVID-19. You, If you talk about anything else, you're being insensitive. I, you know, I, I understand where we're going, but I get frustrated where so much attention is drawn to one area that if you bring up something else like cancer or diabetes or God only knows what, people are going to think that you're insensitive or selfish. So let me keep reading. It feels awkward, but I have to talk. There is a basic need to express my feelings on what is happening to me with a disease that takes people out within weeks and months, even as people are succumbing to a mystery virus that can extirpate the victims within hours. I am aware that the virus has killed more than 100,000 souls in the United States to date. Again, I don't know what to believe, but back to the article. However, there are still things that many cancer fighters want to talk about publicly, but upon scrolling social media and seeing what others are encountering right now, we feel like we must employ a certain level of this isn't the time or keep it to yourself into our social graces and we try to act accordingly. It suddenly seems our thoughts and feelings are sort of insignificant in comparison sometimes, but that's where so many of us are and there's a story here that is being overlooked and it's taking its toll on those who aren't supposed to be stressed out in the process. Just a few weeks ago, I endured all kinds of horrific pain and or side effects from concoctions designed to keep me here on earth with my loved ones. But when COVID hit, it felt as if somehow I became expendable to certain sections of society who seemed to think it was okay to sacrifice us to reopen cities and states and the nation at large. It was a shock after being tortured for nine months just to get to keep the privilege of living life. The people would start to suggest people like me just go somewhere and die for the sake of the economy and the country. It was as if our recent battles were small and not of any accomplishment at all. People who are in need of constant care have not been getting it. Cancers are going undiagnosed, as are heart conditions, diabetes, HIV, and transplantation needs. People are dying because screaming, hey, what about me at the top of your lungs would be considered poor form. Wow. And, and I have to tell you, here's my advice for all of you right now. is I went to urgent care last week because personal reason... And okay, I'll tell you, I don't care. I, every two years, I get like wax in my ears. I have very waxy ears. And so I, wake, I woke up one morning and I couldn't hear in my left ear. And this happened like two years ago. And they looked in, I was freaked out because I'm a musician and a singer. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing my hearing. Well, just lo and behold, I had a bunch of wax in my ear. So same thing happened last week. I woke up, couldn't hear in my left ear, had to go to urgent care. They, they got it out and there you go. My advice to you right now is the medical system is so fucked up, you know, surgeries are being put on holds, people that have high cholesterol, you may have to, you know, at, answer all these questions and you might not be able to go in for two weeks or you have heart disease. My advice to you now, and this is what America and the, and the media should be saying and politicians should be saying, they should be saying exercise every day. But then they're going to say, oh, well, you can't go outside right now. You have to stay home to worry about, you know, the coronavirus people. But then great, all those people that don't have coronavirus, that have the tendency to have heart disease or high blood pressure, all of those people are going to die because they haven't been exercising or they aren't eating well. They're sitting on their ass all day just watching Netflix. The whole thing is completely fucked up. And the media, politicians, China, I don't know who the fuck it is— whatever's going on, they want the only thing to be in people's minds, the only thing they want to be in people's minds is this fucking coronavirus. And God forbid you question it. God forbid you go in and get a cancer screening. You're you're going to be looked at as a hater, insensitive, selfish. Fuck all that. And I'm so tired of this mask. Wear a mask, not wear a mask. People judging you if you don't wear a mask, think you're an asshole if you wear. Look, if you're in a grocery store, if you're in a public place— Going to a concert, wear a mask. But if you're outdoors, like riding a bike or going for a walk, I don't care if you don't wear a fucking mask. It's, it's, it's crazy. And then there's people out there that are uh, freaking out that people aren't wearing masks and then people are on social media yelling and saying people are assholes because they don't wear masks. Look, I, I don't know what is going on. And if anybody out there tells you that they know what's going on, they're lying. This virus is so new. These politicians and Dr. Fauci, China, who the fuck believes whatever China is saying right now? Since when did China become trustworthy? It's crazy, guys. I'm telling you, Facebook and Instagram, social media, They have to be eliminated. You know, a friend of mine, Seisha, by the way, my next guest, Felicia Berkeley. she's got us adorned on Instagram. We spoke a few days ago. I'm going to edit it this weekend. Great talk about the toxicity of male egoism, finding balance. She's a Reiki specialist. She's also into acupuncture. It's an amazing talk. So we have that to look forward to. And I'm also speaking to a yoga teacher next week who, posted something on Instagram, something very innocuous and very pleasant about being vegetarian or vegan. And then people were saying that she was being insensitive for promoting veganism right now during this Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, it was sort of like mind-blowing to me. She couldn't talk about veganism right now. What are we allowed to talk about? And it's ironically, I talk about how freedom of speech, I, I don't like freedom of speech in this weird sort of way. I don't like how anybody can sort of go on to Twitter or message Leonardo DiCaprio and call him an asshole or call Justin Timberlake, you know, reach out to Justin Timberlake and say whatever you want. I don't like that. But then again, it does feel as though we don't have freedom of speech because there are people out there that if you say the wrong thing and and people hear it or... You aren't supportive of, of, the, of the COVID-19 movement. People are losing their jobs for things that they're saying on social media right now. So maybe I'm an idiot for recording podcasts right now. I, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. So last story, which again, shows the idiocy of social media and the idiocy of human beings. So it's sort of a uh, two in one. Journalist shamed for Santa Monica cleanup photo. And then she berates cancel culture and the social media mob. So here's the story. I don't know if she's an intern, but she was Yeah, she was an intern at the Washington Examiner. And her name is Fiona Moriarty McLaughlin. So this was after the looting in Santa Monica. There somebody took a video of her holding a workman's drill in front of this boarded up window. And it's sort of like her husband or or father—we come to find out it's her father—is taking a photo of her posing in front of this boarded-up wall, pretending to drill the wall. And then she and her dad run into her Mercedes and take off. She doesn't post anything, but people that were there in Santa Monica videoed her what looks like to be her pretending to be putting up a boarded-up— Board piece of wood on a on a window that was broken through in the Santa Monica Mall, and it does sure as hell look to me like she's pretending to be one of the workers. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is she doing? And then what's so frightening though is that there are people there that are taking video of this whole thing, and then they post it, and then they f- video her dad's license plate, and then find out who she is. Based on the license plate. And so they start like lambasting her on Facebook and social media and start... Listen, I'm going to just read some of this stuff to you. So she's saying, of course, that she was just a young journalist that wanted to visit the destruction and document what she saw. And she's saying that she's being misrepresented by the cancel culture. After filming the cleanup, McLaughlin says she noticed the worker putting up plywood... Um, she thanked him for his effort as we discussed he then handed me the drill in a joking and friendly manner I went with it and in the spur of the moment a photo was snapped like that's that's bullshit guys you mean to tell me that, that the, the the worker just sort of handed her the drill hey here you go why don't you pretend to drill up the board okay dad take a picture of me think about this right now and this is what's so fucked up with our world right now where I don't think anything good, (laughs) maybe I just, maybe I'm so misanthropic now, where when the fuck is the good going to happen? Because people are more concerned about taking videos and selfies of themselves than educating themselves or enacting change. And I, I know we see those signs right now of the protests. But man, I just, I, I, I just think a week goes by, and then everybody gets back to Netflix and their phones, and there's nothing that uh, anybody can do to resist the temptations to go back to Instagram and, the, and Netflix and technology. There was absolutely no malicious intent, no big master plan. The accu the accusation was some sort of so called influencer photo op, or or attempt to appear like I was cleaning up is false. What the hell was she doing? It it makes no sense. But what's just as disturbing to me, though, two activists had been watching and filming nearby. They heckled her, called out Black Lives Matter and Boyfriends of Instagram. Boyfriends of Instagram is basically the guy that takes women's photos for the, uh, the guy that takes... Uh, a woman's photo for Instagram. That's the boyfriend or husband's of Instagram. She felt threatened, quickly thanked the worker for his efforts, and left. The thought of publishing that photo never crossed her mind. But this is what's fucking nuts. Then the social media mob found out her name from the license plate, got her home address, phone number, and within hours, her social media accounts were bombarded. Threats engulfed her feeds, telling her to kill herself or that she would be killed. Harassers said they knew where she lived and they were coming to get her. Even LeBron James and Ava DuVernay retweeted her idiotic um, photo, which again was completely idiotic, but then. Isn't it just as idiotic or insane to think that she's getting death threats for, for what she did? Is, is what she did, as stupid and ignorant as it was, warrants, does it warrant her to get death threats? That's the big contemplative question of the day. Is this woman deserve death threats for taking a selfie in Santa Monica pretending to put up? Uh, wood on windows that were stormed through but that's that's the world we live in now it's it's so extreme people doing stupid stuff people not agreeing with you people bringing up veganism right now or people bringing up cancer and you're an asshole or you're insensitive or you know there's there is no contextual nuance anymore it's crazy what's happening right now it's fucking insane and I try to see the silver lining here, but on the other hand, boy, there's this mad rush to criticize and label people and death threats, and if you don't agree with this cause, then you're this, and if you don't agree with this cause, then you're an asshole or insensitive. It's, it's just a. It just feels like, a, before I let you go, it just feels like a fire or an explosion can erupt at any moment. My last point before you hear my new song—never done this before. I never premiered a song on my podcast before. You know, with everything going on right now, I, I feel as though we are going to become more isolated. People are going to stay home. I mean, why the fuck does do people want to go outside right now? I mean, you got to wear a mask. If you don't, you're going to get yelled at. And then it, it's just like, what the fuck? What do you, what the what the fuck do you do? You you just stay home, I guess. I got to play a clip before I let you go. And then you hear my song. You know, about like a month ago, I was making fun of Joe Biden. And I wasn't doing it because I support Donald Trump. I was doing it because we have all these problems right now. And I think that's sort of something we need to, uh, we have to reconcile right now. The world is so imperfect. And I I'd like to think, there's always going to be problems. There's just so many millions of people from so many different backgrounds. You're dealing with DNA. You're dealing with history. Boy, is it ever going to be easy? I don't know if it's possible. You got capitalism. You have so much homelessness. Political parties are getting more polarized. Racism, That's just hundreds and hundreds of years old. I mean, I, I I read a story where there are white people here in America that still can't stand Japanese people because of Pearl Harbor. So we talk about all this white towards black racism that's getting all the news. There's this huge contingent of white people in America that still can't stand Japanese people from eight, 70 years ago because of Pearl Harbor? There is so much racism. There's so much inequality. People are starving. I mean, there's just so many problems in the world. And maybe we're doing the best we can with the cards that we've been dealt. So I was talking about Joe Biden because this we, we live in a world now where Joe Biden and Donald Trump are our two choices. And sure enough, Joe Rogan was talking with Brett Weinstein about the very same exact thing.
1: Root is a system that is so politically corrupt that it is not even interested in doing what it needs to do. It is interested in doing the bare minimum that it can do that prevents revolt. And now it's screwed up. Now it's got revolt on its hands. But if you actually wanted to solve this problem, you have to solve it at the causal level. Right. You can't have a, a system in which people are choosing between candidates from two corrupt parties, both of which are uh, hell-bent on stealing well-being from them and transferring it to their actual constituents. I agree. So Yeah, that's, um, that's a problem as well. I, I don't think it's a problem as well. I mean, imagine for a second, right? How did we get here? It's 2020. We are facing... A global pandemic, which incidentally I do want to talk to you about. Okay, um, we are facing a global pandemic. We are facing rioting in the streets, a movement that's showing signs of a uh, Maoist challenge to the most fundamental aspects of the West. Right, and we are going to have to choose between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. What? Right, neither one of these people is capable of or inclined towards the kind of leadership that you have just described we would need. Agreed. I can't figure out why it's the case. I really like Obama personally. He seems like the right guy to me. But his, his administration at, an, at, a, at a policy level was indistinguishable from Bush. In some ways it was worse. So what we've got is parties that decide what we get to choose from. And the game is to prevent us from having any choice that could possibly solve the problem. So we have to fix that.
0: I I just, I think, I know what I'm thinking is felt by a lot of people. Unfortunately, I feel like we live in a world now where you have to be careful what you say. And to think that we live in a world where Joe Biden and Donald Trump are going to be our two options to run this mess. So there you go. As always, I'm excited Remember, I'm ending tonight's show with a new song. It's tentatively called "Outside In." I, I've just felt a lot of energy, anxiety, and, and just lots of different emotions through this time, and I'm, I'm very creative. But I've also wanted to—I wanted to start writing some sort of like clubby, up-tempo electronic songs. So here's my first go at it. I've got a lot of other stuff happening, too, musically, but I just really thought this song came together. So I'm ending the, today's episode with this. It should probably hit iTunes in about six to eight weeks. Probably be on my website, which, again, is iameddiecone.com But you'll get to hear it today first, for the very first time. So, as always, if you dig the show, head over to iTunes, write a review, head over to iameddiecone.com where you can sign up for the newsletter, say hello on Twitter or Instagram. As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you dig the song. And thanks so much for being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.